you should go, go to war to serve your way of life. Well, Chuck, this this is your way of life. And if your spy satellites don't see nothing, if there ain't no war, then you can go home and prematurely take up golf, my friend. Because there ain't no war but ours. What happens when all of America's enemies are defeated, but the U.S. security state needs to keep existing? Both Bob Roberts and this week's movie, Wag the Dog, explore the more satirical side of the so-called peace dividend. Do you think it'll be necessary to use force? Well, we must be strong and resolute whenever democracy is threatened, ma'am. We want to avoid violence by any means, but I'm afraid it might be necessary to say in this madman. In 1991, Colin Powell, being interviewed in the wake of the Gulf War, said, I'm running out of demons, I'm running out of villains. I'm down to Fidel Castro and Kim Il-sung. The first night of the war, everybody was, uh, you know, in, in, in heaven. They, well, they saw these strikes go in very successfully. Casualties were almost uh, nil. Um, television pictures of bombs going down chimney stacks and all that sort of stuff. And uh, some of the reporters were running around saying, this is going to be over right away. And I had to call down to the Pentagon press office and, and tell them to shut those guys up. The fear in the defense and weapons industries was at the end of the Cold War and a possible global peace meant that their capabilities would have to be pared down. The spy satellites show it, Mr. Breen. They show no war. Then what good are they if they show no war? I mean, what are we spending a quarter trillion dollars a year in the Defense Department? What good are they if they show nothing? In 1993, Larry Beinhart wrote a novel called American Hero, which was a satirical work that speculated that George H.W. Bush had worked with a Hollywood agent and a dying Lee Atwater to secure re-election by staging Operation Desert Storm. Hitler revisited. America will not stand aside. The world will not allow the strong to swallow up the weak. This was the more cynical side of Francis Fukuyama's famous end of history theory. The defeat of the USSR would herald in a new brighter era where liberal democracies would spring up everywhere and existential conflict between superpowers would die down. This absolutely has not occurred with China now taking on the role that the USSR used to play as a second contrasting superpower. Neoconservatives and defense industry employees obviously did not want the end of history to occur for another reason. I liked it. I liked it very much. Uh, others, uh, Colin Powell says, that'll teach us to leave you up at Camp David alone with him. <laughs> Peace is boring and politics must be matched with spectacle. The Gulf War, although short-lived and incredibly destructive, was a boon for Republican politicians and the media, especially CNN, which was able to treat Operation Desert Storm as the first war broadcast as 24-hour news coverage. The Gulf War, smart bomb falling down the chimney, 2,500 missions a day, 100 days, one video of one bomb, Mr. Moss, the American people bought that war. Mm -hmm. War is show business. In 1997, David Mamet was hired to retool a screenplay by Hillary Hinken, who had tried to turn American Hero into a film adaptation. David Mamet was hired by Barry Levinson, who had wanted to work with him for a long time, but hadn't found a project worthy of their collaboration. Levinson did not like Hillary Hinken's original screenplay, and felt like faking an entire war was too ambitious for a project he wanted to shoot and direct in just five weeks. Another major change in the country's cultural zeitgeist was that the Clintons had taken power. Tens of millions of dollars had been spent. And there have been, by the way, two federal reports by independent agencies saying that what I said and what my wife said in the very beginning of this was true, that we were not involved in running the savings and loan, that we lost money on a real estate deal, 
and that this whole inquiry is, is going after two people who lost money on a real estate deal made almost 19 years ago now. There was already an understanding that Bill Clinton would use the international stage to distract from the constant scandals plaguing his White House. Robert De Niro, who also produced the movie, starred as Conrad Breen, a spin doctor who worked as a fixer for the president. What difference does it make if it's true? It's a story and it breaks. They're going to have to run with it. How long we got till it breaks? Front page, Washington Post tomorrow. Oh, well, yeah, now that's not good. The character De Niro plays underscores the very loose relationship between criminality and politics as usual. Playing with your life now. Oh, fuck my life. Fuck my life. I want the credit. The credit. Dustin Hoffman plays a film producer called Stanley Motts, who is based on Robert Evans and obsessed with spectacle. De Niro and Hoffman work with a presidential aide, played by Anne Hacked, to manufacture a war in Albania to distract from the president's sex scandal with an underage girl. You want me to produce your war? Not a war. It's a pageant. We need a theme, a song, some visuals. We need, you know, it's a pageant. Just two months after Wag the Dog came out, the Monica Lewinsky scandal broke. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. Bill Clinton's quick response to that scandal was to bomb the Al-Shifa pharmaceutical factory in Sudan, which the Clinton administration claimed was an Al-Qaeda nerve gas storage facility. This is the plant that's producing most of the pharmaceuticals and very veterinary medicines for a poor African country that's under embargo, can't replace them. What is that going to do? The Clinton administration also drew comparisons to wag the dog two more times, bombing Iraq during the impeachment trial in Kosovo, right next to Albania the next year. We just found out they have the bomb. That's... We just found out they have the bomb. That's good. And... And, no, 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 wait a second, wait, 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 wait a second, wait, 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 wait. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, let me say, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live show, send us a super chat. We are absolutely obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer it. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are available on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Jandrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, comic designer, and artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal and the frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. They just got back from touring on the East Coast. J.G. Michael, host of Parallax Views. I, of course, am your long-suffering host, Forrest Miller. Without further ado, let's get started. Huh. Still here, still suffering. That's it. And, no, uh, no, and, no, and no Christina, Christina's here. I was going to well, say she has to get an intro. Apparently, she the black hair. We, we didn't know who she was. We, she told us. Was. She told us ten minutes before we went on. I'm not doing the intros live. I'm not sitting here with my microphone going, doing the same thing every week. I didn't know. Christina Oak. She's also here. Cosmopolitics. That's her Twitch channel, her Twitter, her Instagram, uh, um, her war. Apparently, it's her. It's her brand identity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my war. You're one of my my uh, my satellite doesn't show any war, but it does show Cosmopolitics. Twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Exactly. Exactly. I, I kind of miss the. I, I like the produced uh, intros. I do kind of miss the live reads once in a while. Like, mostly because I like interjecting with them. I guess, but uh, you know, that's me. That's, that's yeah, me. but I mean, I don't know. I really. It's bro. I hate, it's bro. I hate, it's, yeah. I hate reading. I hate reading on camera. 
and uh you know it's i'm in a basement where like talking for that amount of time is 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 taxing a little bit you need a <laughs> teleprompter you better be on a podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wag the Dog. Uh, this is one of the ones I was, I was probably, I would say this and Bob Roberts were one of the ones I was uh, most excited to talk about uh, this month. This is, this is, for me, very funny. Like, very funny. This is a very funny movie. But this is exactly my sense of humor. Like, just like pitch black. Like, like this is this is ostensibly a comedy, but it's like, oh, it's funny because it's true. Kind of like yeah. that sort of way. Yeah, but, yeah, you, you but kind of those. not exactly not exactly true when they wrote it, which is crazy, right? Like you have a little to think too on the nose. Administration was like watching it and going, "Huh, maybe like maybe we should kind of start." Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I did not know the so the sex scandal with Clinton happened after this movie came out. Yeah, isn't that wild? See, I didn't two know that. After. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't see it. On the nose. I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it a, a couple years, <laughs> a couple years <laughs> later, and yeah, it's kind of amazing that like in, the, in that sort of weird um, art uh, reality imitating art thing that yeah that that actually happened like after this movie yeah. came out, which is a hundred percent wild and makes it more awesome in my mind. Frankly. Yeah, so this is them reacting to it. They were asked about it on a making of. They were doing like a making of documentary and uh, interviewing the people. And um, the producers and stuff reacted to finding out that, like, the, the scandal had broken exactly the same way, kind of, as the actual uh, movie took place. Visit to China. Another sort of news, however, has emerged from the presidential quarter. We turn to Melissa Gardner at KZAB in Santa Fe with this breaking news. Melissa? Thanks, Richard. Today, a local Firefly girl accused the president of sexual misconduct. This photo of the president with the girls was taken during their recent tour of the White House. The girl claims that the sexual misconduct occurred inside the Oval Office. Her attorney says there are no plans yet to hold a press conference. Right now, folks in Santa Fe and the rest of America are waiting for a response from the White House on these harsh allegations. I mean, first of all, I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, Clinton and then we weren't chasing any specific thing about, you know, the Clinton administration. Um, in, in, in fact, that's why I never really show a president, period, because you don't want to put a face to a president. It's really the presidency as opposed to a, a specific uh, president. And I, I do think it's the, uh, it is more the media in terms of how much manipulation is taking place on a day-to-day -day basis and to the point that we no longer are quite sure where, where reality is and those things which are fabricated. And it, it, can, it gets to be, I think, more sinister as time goes along because you'll be able to do even more things, as we allude to in the movie, by, you know, digitally putting someone in another environment so that if, if seeing is no longer believing, then where are we? And then we're really left to uh, our own sense of morality and how far does that play out? We thought uh, a year ago when we finished uh, Wag the Dog that we had made a real good political satire. Today, it doesn't feel like satire. The events that have happened in this country, you know, certainly in the past uh, four months, have uh, are, are far more outrageous than anything we could come up with. As a matter of fact, if we had come up with some of these events, if we'd come up with a Linda Tripp and a Lucianne Goldberg, 
people would have said, you know, write this out. This is too ridiculous. You know, please. You know, I, I mean, so it, it's there's there's no more satire. And as a matter of fact, today I was having a conversation with somebody, and we were talking about network. And I don't know when it's the last time you have you you watched network, but network has come true. By the time you see Faye Dunaway sitting down with this black activist talking about how she should do a, you know, a, a talk show program with some white conservative. Come on, this is CNBC every night of the week. You know, network has completely come true. Howard Beale screaming to everybody, saying, I can't take this anymore. And talking about how, you know, what is what have you become? It's carnivals and jokesters and whatever else. And he goes on and says, This is what television's become. Jerry Springer, give me a break. How much is that affecting us and confusing us? Is um, I guess issues that we'll just sort of debate. But it's a hard thing when once upon a time things were real and some things weren't real. And now we begin to blur those lines, you know, between fact and, fact and fiction. Once the lines between fact and fiction blur, then we begin to become much more skeptical and much more cynical. It's, it's almost quaint to see them like, whoa, this is like, this is totally outrageous. You wouldn't even believe yeah. it this far into the future when we've had like Trump and we've had, you know, Biden's like brain dripping out of his eye on fucking TV. Uh, they um, only knew what we di di Different problems to be sure. Can I just say, I do remember last time I saw Network. It was when I rewatched one of my favorite movies for this show with J.G. Michael. It was the last time that I saw Yeah, it. that's why I said a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was private chat though. That's for the that's for the public. Some, th some things are worth mentioning. Go watch the Network episode. It's a good one. We got into a lot of arguments. I remember that. Uh, but Which it didn't yeah, happen because like, I wasn't on it. <laughs> right, exactly. Using, using neutron logic. Uh, look, it's they had very different problems in the late '90s, and it's almost adorable now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like what the problems I, were. I miss oh, history's I, over, is it? Uh, yeah, uh, you got no idea, friend. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you got no, you got no freaking clue. But um, I mean, I, I think, I think I'm it like, was JG that reposted this that made me think about it. Uh, like a few weeks ago, I think JG reposted uh, Fukuyama put out again. He was like. Is the end of history here finally? And yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that time. <laughs> it's been forever. So when did, out of curiosity, when did you guys first see this movie? Because I did not see it when it first came out. I actually saw it uh, when the Iraq War broke out. Yeah, same. Felt, actually, it, it, it was... felt very apropos when the Iraq War came out. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly when I saw it. And uh, at the time, it seemed like all the more because ostensibly, like it was in response to the first Iraq War for uh, Poppy Bush's war. Um, like, that's, like, where the ideas from it came anyway. And, yeah, like, it's... It, it was, like, hauntingly kind of, like... Well, all the more hilarious, to be sure. But, like, also, uh, you know, it was kind of hit right on the nose. You know, <laughs> to a certain degree. I saw it for the first time today because when it came out, uh, I uh, was just, like, hard pass. I, I'm not interested mm -hmm. in it. And then, and then uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't see it until now because, like, man, the I would have been insufferable in the odds uh, after watch if I saw this. Hmm. I I think I think I saw it like the beginning of it a long time ago. I think my dad rented it, but um, this is like a few days ago was the first time I watched the entire thing. I I remember the first few scenes though, um, and I feel like in the wake of Iraq happening and stuff, my dad probably rented it. There was a a section in my local video store video store uh <laughs> that had like 
a dark comedy section, right? Which is sort of like, oh, this is this is my vibes here. And there's a lot of ones that like maybe haven't haven't aged as well or whatever. But uh, yeah, this this was in the dark comedy section. I'm like, oh, it's about like election stuff and it's like a dark comedy. Cool, I'm into it. And then I was like, oh wait, this is this is like a really like hilarious but accurate portrayal of uh, the art of distraction. Cool, right on. <laughs> Christina, did you watch it for? <laughs> oh, I, I saw it in uh, high school for the first time. Again, it's another film that my government uh, teacher recommended, and I was like, "Hmm, the timing." Where are we her on? I know, right? She's great. Uh, I'm wondering. I'm thinking to myself, watching the film, and then rewatch it. Like, man, a lot has happened, <laughs> and he's like, "What? What? Ninety? What? Like twenty-five years?" Eesh. Yeah, I mean, Clinton was still president, you know, like literally yeah. like the big scandal that everyone remembers, like it just freaking hadn't even happened yet. Right. So that's how long ago this was. I mean, for me, because I'm, I'm a bit older than uh, Christina and, and Forrest, um, I was in high. I was like in high school. Right. So, I mean, that's crazy. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I, I, I have to I have to wonder, um, like David Mamet, though, like, did he know something? You know, something was like because his politics have always been pretty conservative, and he seems like he's no, I mean, no, they, they haven't been actually. That, oh, really? That's, that's, well, that's not true. That's not true. Yeah, he fact, started out uh, very liberal, and then I guess in recent years he's become more conservative. He even wrote like a whole book about his politics changing recently. I forget the it, name of it. Yeah, it was the uh, why it was now by David Mamet. <laughs> it was the Iraq War, and and what's interesting, and and I I uh, didn't send it over because I don't think it's actually on YouTube, but in the DVD extra for Wag the Dog, uh, William H Macy, who plays the CIA agent in this, uh, talks about how he the, at the school he went to, David Mamet was a teaching fellow, so he actually like went to classes by David Mamet, and how he's basically like one of the most like brilliant and funny guys. Uh, and incredibly inscrutable in his politics, but incredibly thoughtful about it as well. And then, then proceeds to rattle on some specifics that are like, oh yeah, he doesn't feel that way anymore because he had like a neocon turn in the like late, late, late two thousands. I kind of like when like a bunch of people's brains got broken by a. Uh, oh, imagine being a neocon. Right, I know. Well, and it's not straight neocon, but it's it's enough where it's like, all right, dude. But the thing is, he he was known for just being like kind of like not easy to pin down but basically coming from a critical thinking liberal place which is hilarious from like a Hitchens the kind of neocon Hitchens right? style yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, well I was I was the next sentence I was going to say but I, it's a big panel so I'll let okay. so I found the name of his book where he talks about his whole political transformation from liberal to conservative and this may be the most ridiculously bad title I've ever seen the secret knowledge on the dismantling <laughs> of American culture uh, that feels like something Jordan Peterson would write yeah, well, yeah. And, and David Mamet and David Mamet comes on to goes on to Dave Rubin all the time. Like that's oh like, my if you god, because yeah, he's fallen. Yeah. yeah, we don't we don't speak Dave about Rubin that. of every Dave Rubin because well, they both they both did the why I left the left thing. I guess I mean I don't I didn't know well, that he he yeah. didn't that but that isn't how he ascribed to it. Like he he just sort of started doing like his think pieces and his take on things. Like not to like defend the guy, but like it, it was it was a different sort of like lame heel turn than most of the heel turns that we expect now, which is the Tulsi Gabbard. Like, oh yeah, of course she's doing that. Of course she is. Who yes. couldn't have predicted that? Yeah, that was... You could that was your Fox News, Tulsi Gabbard. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, and she, and she knows, it's, 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 it's like, that was, that was like in the stars very early on. But I think it's, it sucks because like David Mamet was known for, you know, basically being an advocate of critical thinking and stuff for him, for, so for him to fall for that, into that neocon thing, 
which you see uh, was it uh, a skullcroft uh like how excited does that dude sound in that clip like that dude sounds so pumped about like i was like oh well i guess if you love your job you'll uh, never work a day in your life right <laughs> i'm <laughs> just really depressed he loves war that bro these are the uh these are the titles for some of for some of the dave rubin ones that he's done what everyone's afraid to say out loud um pulling no punches what to expect from politicians um then there's another one that's like hollywood legend exposes why hollywood is dying so it's that it's that very uh like why i left the left style Hollywood uh, is not, Hollywood's okay, not I, I just, it's I just have to say i'm very depressed to hear that david mamet has collaborated with dave rubin because you know what as horrible as yeah. david mamet's politics are at least he has like an ounce of talent dave rubin no no more than an ounce depressing I mean, like watch Glenn no, Gary Glenn Ross, right? And, and be like, tell me that like this dude is not a talented guy. But it's, no, but it's he's the same, incredibly talented. Yeah. And it's the same sort of thing as uh, what Frank Miller, right? Like Frank Miller right. took a hard right turn as well. He's another one of those guys. But like this shouldn't be about like David David Mamma not agreeing with our politics. Should should be the fact that like I think he punched up this script considerably to be like a much more interesting film than the actual book, which is not in not uninteresting. But as a film, this works better because Mamet's this guy. He's got a good head for dialogue. You know, um, Aaron Sorkin could never. <laughs> Do you know Aaron Sorkin uh, did a rewrite for Bullworth? I wish I could unknow that. I, that's uh, really depressing. I think that's, I think that's when they added the N-word into it. Yes, you know? yes, I was going to say, did he write the raps? Because I would love to pin that on him. Uh, but but I think well it's notable that because at, at the time like Mamet was is was considered like incredibly edgy like in like like beyond beyond the edge like oh it's David Mamet he's 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 wild card right and, and now edgy. right it's and, so edgy but, that his movie was called The Edge The Edge <laughs> yes exactly that's that's good he's edgy he's edgy uh, but we're edgy right now he had a like a deep love and sort of. Uh, uh, disdain as well of politics, which shows in the in the script, right? Like it absolutely shows in the script. Like there's there's like an affinity and then an embrace of the absurd and then like a celebration of the absurd and then he brings it right back to like the darkness at the end. And I think it's it's a fine balance beam to walk. But I, I for me, it really it, it's it it does it really well. And it's and again, so I mean, I guess for folks, I, I don't know why anyone would be watching this if they haven't seen the movie. But this, I mean, this is about like you know like manufacture media to distract from like real scandal right and in this Something case has got... never happened in our yeah, history never has happened in the history certainly not like every week now uh but like yeah at, at the time it was it was considered like all the more absurd because and certainly idea, not but... and certainly not three weeks after this movie came out <laughs> yes but <laughs> uh I, I, but it is a thing that i mean they like it's not meant to be a how-to guide but <laughs> that's kind of like how it was for a little bit right it's like every political satire is literally like a how-to guide when it comes to whatever yeah. the whatever the context of the film is about dr strangelove right now as you know poland just got hit by a missile yeah. <laughs> and yo like speaking of the ukraine's like what's happening with poland someone did an aemon targaryen uh meme like right after he like with his dragon out the last episode i'm like yeah that's the face of the russian dude who pushed a button on that missile to hit poland 
I don't know. Like, oh, I mean, I, I assume it's a Game of Thrones, the House of Dragon thing, but I don't, you know. He's like, he's like. I'm lost. <laughs> not only is the audience lost, half the panel is, but uh, I, I got it. I got it, Christina. I got you. That's why I did the um, joke for you, Conan. So, uh, so I will, I've been, you know, sitting on this, really wanting to play it, and I've made it 25 minutes without playing it. This is Bobby Wynant interviewing yes! Robert De Niro talking queen. about Wag the Dog. The most awkward, I think, of any fucking Let's interview go. we have of her. Oh Let's boy. Go. This is, this is, this Does is she the have worst. a theme song on, on any of these shows? Because I, 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 no, You gotta do it. You got Bobby's Corner or something like that. Job. I know. I'll make, one. I'll make one for her. I'll do it. I don't care. This is, oh, this is the most awkward single interview Got I've it. seen her do, including the ones where she gets horny. This takes the cake. I love Inject it. Inject it into my veins. Hey, De Niro's face right there looks awkward. I mean, it's just, That's it's just, just the beginning of it. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> He's like, so, oh, yeah. I wish you weren't talking to me. And I think word of mouth, Robert, will be very good on this picture because it's so funny. Great. Satirical, yeah. cynical. And at the same time, I find it a little bit scary mm. to you. Well, yeah, it's uh, a satire. It's, like I it mean, could happen and maybe is happening or will happen, huh? Well, it would happen. And it happens in certain countries, definitely, because they have no, in a totalitarian uh, or regime or dictatorship, like Iraq, you know. I mean, the whole the whole thing with... Um, with uh, how they interpreted the the, uh, the the UN inspectors um going back as a victory for them is uh, just an example of that in a sense. Working with Dustin, you all had done a little thing in sleepers, but you never really had a, a continuing no amount of working together. And I just enjoyed so much the scene in the TV control room where he's doing the calico cat. <clears throat> Gotta have a calico cat. Right. I thought that is a hundred percent a Dustin, isn't it? Yeah. No, that was that was that was good. It was a lot, a lot of nice stuff, fun stuff to do. Would you yeah. have time for laughs on the shooting schedule that you oh, were on? Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was uh, it was okay. I mean, there's always downtime on a movie. You're always waiting, even though you know you're waiting between setups and so on. But Bob Richardson's very fast, but we did have, and that's better um, because, I mean, you had just enough time to wait where you were shooting again. So the worst thing is to wait around <clears throat> a lot longer. And when the movies with the special effects and stunts, that tends to happen. That doesn't tend to happen. It happens all the time. It's really tough. Robert, I love to collect movie lines, you know, just lines out of context. Yeah. And try them out on people <laughs> say, who said that, you know? And your line, or what comes mm. to mind for me always is, you're talking to me right? from Taxi Driver. <laughs> Do people still throw that back at you? Once in a while, yeah. Is that your most famous movie line, do you think? It's one of them, I think, yeah. What would be another one? I don't know. There's a couple I forget, but there were a few others. <laughs> you mean once you do it, once you do the film, it's over, huh? Yeah, I mean, that's some, pretty much, I mean... Some of the movies I've done, I haven't seen for a long, long time. And it's, I, I like to watch them because it's like a new experience. You can get that much distance from it. And do you sometimes see something and think, oh my gosh, <clears throat> I forgot I did that? Yeah. That happens too. Yeah. What will you remember most from this one? Oh, God. Speaking of things I don't want to do. <laughs> There's a few moments. Um, 
yeah, the ending is kind of interesting when, when Dustin is going away. And, uh, and you see me up there, and, and um, there's, a, there's a lot of like interesting stuff. I can't think of it, so I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going to come up with a snappy That's all right. thing, Oof, this but I, is yeah. Painful. Ah, oh, cheers to cheers to that. That's, I, will, I will say. Wow, what an all timer. Bobby is ninety five years old. <laughs> yep, yep. Try come up with me, nice traffic. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's go. Let's go. Yeah, no, she 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 is a uh, friend of a friend of the show. Welcome on any episode, Gary. Like, <laughs> yes. I'm not even kidding. This is not a bit. Hundred percent sincere. That's I think that's the best Bobby interview that I've watched. I think no, I think she's it's just it's it's perfectly curated for her. Well, and she's trying to like do a thing with him, but he is just not in in in, in, in clearly not in the mood for it at all. But she's just like, nope, we're going down. We're doing this. It's we're going. And like when she starts to be like to like have him think of another line that people want to like have him shout, or he's just like. Oh God! <laughs> wagging my dog, wagging my dog over here. You wagging, uh, you wagging my dog. I, I see, I see my dog wagging. I see my dog wagging. You wagging my dog. Well, and it's important because this was considered a more like kind of niche picture when it came out, right? This wasn't like a big, like you know, uh, what's it, a temple movie? Or, yeah, it was like uh, during like uh, the spring, if I remember correctly. Yeah, which is crazy because it's Barry Levinson. Barry Levinson's had done a bunch of like you know larger films, but it's 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 a niche topic at the time. The idea of like oh, I don't want to see a movie about politics stuff. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was much more into watching uh, Dark City and uh, Mimic whenever this came out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like it's it's you know I get where for, oh I mean can we just say that I think De Niro, De Niro and Hoffman like do such a great job. In this, like, Legend. Dan Hish. Like, yeah, exactly. Who's also awesome, but like those two as like the duo and they're kind of like riffing and stuff like that and doing that great mammoth dialogue back and forth. It's just, I mean, it's legends. It's, so I guess, it's I guess it was officially it was officially released December twenty fifth, nineteen ninety seven, like in theaters or whatever. Okay, and, and then January January fifteenth is when uh, the uh, nineteen ninety eight is yeah because that, that would have been like just in time broke. for Oscars uh you know they dump a lot of those kind of movies like right around Christmas yeah 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 exactly exactly the Oscar so it, so it was it was about three months I think in between or three weeks I mean in between the two um like like one to the other and there's a there's an interview with uh with 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 Anne and Hecht where she's uh where she's talking to Bobby actually I, I actually pulled it and and yeah all right. Well, this is an interview with Anne Hesh. Uh, <laughs> Whatever your name is, here's an interview with you. And she says right. that she was at the White House and Look told Clinton age. told uh, told Clinton to watch it. He's great, by the way. And also, by the way, uh, so speaking speaking of Oscars, this was uh, this was the Titanic year Just oh. to, to, to place in history. So it did it did get a um, Dustin Hoffman got a Best Leading Actor nomination. Um, but uh, that, that that's when they decided to give it to Jack Nicholson for as good as it gets, which not his best oh. role, but whatever. They wanted to give us something. To I Jack, hate so. that movie. Yeah, it's not it's not great. But it also got a um, it, uh, best screenplay nomination for uh, Mamet and, and Hankin, which it lost to L.A. Confidential. Which uh, Barry Levinson made a big deal about, like not wanting Hillary Hankin to get the um, the Oscar with it, with David Mamet, because, and the union uh, got involved, right? If yeah. I remember correctly, yeah. Which which and like. 
that's very interesting but like it's also well like, i can see both sides of that. He, he came up with the main characters he came up with like the storyline it her thing was a more of a straight adaptation it's of that not that it's not that close it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not, and then there is honestly like it's practically a different movie but like well it is a different movie it's practically a different story but i also get like Look by the by the by the ancient laws of Hollywood, <laughs> you must get a credit. You know, like I get that as well. But anyway, yeah, lost. So yeah, lost uh, to as good as it gets, which really, if uh, for best leading actor for Hoffman, and then lost LA Confidential for best screenplay, which that's a great screenplay, so that's okay. Yeah, this is this is almost. I mean, because it's Mammoth, it's almost like a play screenplay, right? Like a lot of the action is kind of uh, condensed into different locations. Like it, it feels like you could do this as a play in a theater or something and have it mm -hmm. work, even though I mean, even though you need like you know the White House background and stuff like that at, at some point or something. But like you know, it still feels yeah. like uh, it still feels like the action is contained enough. It's not one of those like even when even when the plane goes down and they're just kind of talking outside of the down plane, it, it still feels like you're in a contained space and like. You, you, it almost feels like there's a set behind them. <laughs> well, I mean, I think all of his best stuff has that feel to it. I mean, Glenn Gary is literally adapted from the stage play. You know, it just happens to be like the definitive version of it. And like, honestly, one of the best Jack Lemon roles, I feel like in an entire storied career among many other things, but it's basically the play, except for the fact that there's a few different locations. So Glenn Gary, Glenn Greenwald. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Did you, so, Michael? How do you, what, what, what do you think about this film? I haven't heard much out of you on characters. Oh, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, you know, for some reason, whenever I think of this movie, the funniest part to me, and I don't know why I find it so hilarious, but I love Kirsten Dunst's cameo in it. Of course, as the Albanian refugee. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, she's like, can I put this on my resume? And De Niro's like, well, then, then we'd have to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> You really can't. For some reason, well, that's the part that always sticks out. I love this movie, though. I think it's a yeah. very funny and sharp uh, satire. Yeah, I, I think it's a good movie to watch on a double feature, actually. With um, Do you guys remember the British show, uh, The Thick of It? Oh, of course. Yes. I, I, this yes. is a good one to watch with In the Loop, the movie version of, yeah. it, of the, in the Thick of It. Yeah. The, the only reason In the Loop didn't didn't really make the list is, like, it's not really about elections. It's more just about sort of, like, what yeah, it's yeah. like to be, like... Not, you guys got to do in the loop at some point, though. I will say that. But it has Sludgehammer. Great. Sludgehammer's in it, and and that makes it a much better film. <laughs> and uh, James Gandolfini in a in a leaning uh, against type. Yeah, non-soprano role. Complete <laughs> against that, meaning not Tony Soprano. Yes, <laughs> which he did a couple times. He did it in the Coen Brothers. Yeah, he did that, and he did uh, the worst rom com I've ever seen when it's him and um, uh, Elaine from Seinfeld. Uh, Julia Dreyfus or whatever Louis Dreyfus, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, they had that rom com. Where <laughs> I was I like, know, I don't... Get Shorty, I thought was nice because he played like this this really nice guy who was just like hired muscle, and he's like, like, listen, I don't want to fight oh, you. Yeah, I forgot about, I know, forgot about just, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had that beard, so it didn't even look like him. Yeah, he's also in True Romance, but he's basically but playing he's Tony Soprano. Soprano. So, that, so that, that's not playing against type. No, at all. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. But but I would say Get Shorty like really shows you the range that Gandolfini had. A great thing about this movie, Wag the Dog, that I think is they, 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 the whole, uh, they bring Willie Nelson. We haven't mentioned that Willie Nelson is like the song fixer in this, like the, the, you know, the ad, the agitprop, like anthem maker. I love, uh, which, which is, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I always forget, uh, it feels like everyone's in this movie. Everybody is. Like yeah. Craig T. Nelson shows up, William Macy. I think Jack Black. Yushi shows up, right? I mean, Jack Black isn't. 
Jack Black was in uh, Bob, Roberts. Bob Roberts, <laughs> which, I, oh, yeah. which, I'm, which I'm still waiting to do my final thoughts on. Thank you very much. Uh, the uh, but like the and like he does the collab and they're like, well, and they basically like they talk about the you know, tie yellow ribbon around the old blah, 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 like like, like that. We, we need like a thing for that, but we need it to be about this fake war. And so they come they come up with like, you know, good, the good old shoe, right? Old shoe, mm-hmm. right? J. Andrew old shoe world over there. Like. And, and it's so amazing because, like, they kind of put it together it's just him and uh, the 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 blues fella. And they they come up with this thing, and then they artificially age it, put a copy in the Library of Congress for someone to find, so they can make an anthem for this this soldier whose uh, nickname is Old Shoe, and then like and manufacture basically like this, this like grassroots like you know soldier celebration campaign. Go to all this effort, and then it turns out that like oh yeah, the guys like. In a, he's in the military, all right, but he's in a military prison for like all. These well, they they confuse special uh special plans with special prisons or whatever. yeah. Well, they, they didn't. Yeah, exactly. Because they wanted someone that like they could get, so they could put put him in front put them in front of the cameras, but not have it ha- have like a uh, a public alibi that they would be like they wouldn't do it. And then yeah, it's like this Woody Harrelson again, also playing against type except for national born killers, basically being the worst dude in the world, like this horrible, like horrendous, like psychopathic, like implied rapist, like violent dude that like is like no nothing like an American hero at all. And that's I think that's a great some people have bitched about that in the third act. I think that that's great. And uh, I, I love the like, oh no, you know everything's fine. And there's like another shot, and like, oh no, yeah. scratch that. Well, I, I would say that it, I would say that it's a lot in the third. I would say that it's a lot in the third act. I wouldn't say that it's bad in the third act. Like, yeah, some like, people were mentioning about it. I mean, you get you get a lot of like information and adventure in a very short amount of time. But I don't think that like the scene with where they're all sitting after he gets killed, and they're like, we killed old Chu. Like that scene's yeah. fucking hilarious. That scene it's is amazing. perfectly comically timed and everything, right? Like the action is just taking place, and they're just kind of like it's almost like that that next day feeling when you're like hungover or something. And you're like, well, what the fuck do we do now? Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess Did I wear a traffic cone like, last night. What happened? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but like it's but it's crazy because like but it, it makes sense because there's so many like moving parts of this, and there's so many even though they have so many people involved. Like the idea that like all of it would go flawlessly? No, come on. Like there's too many like there's too many risks that they have to take by necessity to keep the narrative going or whatever. So to have that be the thing where it's like, oh yeah, this guy's not who you think he is at all. Like we can't put him in front of like any like this might be a risk to the to the, the passengers that and a risk to the uh, people in the audience if we like do anything with this guy. And then it sort of resolves itself, so to speak. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot Kirsten Dunst was even in this. And she's got like such a key role as like the Albanian refugee. And then like they then they CGI and they, they want just the right pet. And like there's the whole thing of like, no, it's got to be a calico cat. And then they like go it's through that, and he's like, oh, they, no, he early... wants a white kitten. He wants a white kitten. And then the president wants a calico cat. Sorry. Yeah. About calico cats. They're always female. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Same thing that with horny That horny Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> and, and actually, uh, to be to be honest, though, there the are male president. calicos, uh, but they are very very rare, and they cost a lot of money if you ever find one. Uh, but yeah, but or crazy. or if you have a litter and you happen to have a boy calico, sell That's, that thing, you're going to be rich. But there's you also can't a time read. period where they're, it's very early CGI, where they're kind of like whenever they were CGI oh, in a yeah. movie back then, yeah. it's like, oh, you can do anything you want with CGI. And they have like a very clumsy process of like putting that together. And I've always kind of I've always kind of loved watching that in movies because yeah. they've definitely it's like streamlined running man. it. Yeah. I mean, they, like, like if you remember Running Man had like the same thing where they, they uh made up the scene where um 
Jesse Ventura kills Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nobody knows what I'm talking about, but but, uh, I've seen it, but it's been a long time, but I I don't remember that scene specifically, Andy. I'm sorry. Yeah. uh, You know, it's uh, very, it was very much was giving me run vibes. It's all of the time. CGI. I mean, this is like, cause remember like, you know, Terminator 2 said it kind of changed everything for CGI. People understood like what you could do with CGI finally. Jurassic Park uh, as, as as well, which is a mix of practical effects and CGI, which is one of the reasons why that movie works. And most of the sequels, I'm just going to say all the sequels kind of blow. Or really blow, personally. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say with Wag the Dog, I know we talked a lot about David Mamet, but um, you know, Dennis Leary, when he's talked about this movie, because he's he's in it too, um, just everyone's in this movie. Yeah, like, literally but, everybody from the 90s. Is, is yeah, movie. yeah. It's, it was, Le- Leary claims that... Um, they would shoot from the script, but a lot of it, they would also, they would do a lot of improv on this. Movie. Riff and improv a little. Yeah. yeah and I was curious, did, did you guys get that impression too, that it was very improv in a lot of places? I definitely feel like there's some quips that are just a little bit yeah. too like, pop, pop, where it's like, all right, that yeah, probably yeah. was not in the script, but like, they're awesome. You know, and they're like little, and, and Leary, I think is, uh, you know, obviously like as an actual stand-up comedian, especially then like sort of like the height of his power is like, probably like, I would say it's fair bet that most of his best lines were probably not written. Uh, but so then you never know the damn really it. point throughout this. So the Willie Nelson thing where he's just jamming on the guitar yeah. and he's singing uh, and he's singing like down at the Canadian border and he gets yeah. really fucking dirty with it. I feel like yeah. that's probably improv. Like I don't see anybody writing that and being like, <laughs> Willie Nelson, can you can you please sing about like giving a woman head and make it sound like you're defending the Canadian? He's like, I will ride to the Canadian border. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's I mean, I think you just to a certain degree, like if you have a fantastic script, great cast and like great direction, that's cool. But if you have talented people that can work in an improvisational manner, you let them do it, too. I I feel like it's it's all of the scenes where they're in the room and they're like throwing out ideas feel very improv, like specifically. Like, I I don't think necessarily like the like the scenes where they're going back and forth in the uh, like, you know, between the two of them maybe are. But like, I feel like when they have a whole team together kind of shoot like starting out ideas, which happens like three times in this movie. Yeah. Those are definitely the improv scenes. But however they got there, I'm, I'm glad they did because this this is this is a very sharp movie. This is a very smart movie. Like this this is kind of, and like you know we were talking about believe it or not before era we were talking about Adam Sandler movies. I don't really understand why, but like th- those are very much like a celebrate the stupid kind of vibe. Except for of course Punch Drunk Love and Uncut Gems, both of which are fantastic. But like like with Mammoth especially, it's it's like. Classic Mammoth, especially, it's like, oh no, we're gonna celebrate being smart people that like, you know, are quick witted and like have like oblique references that don't don't become Dennis Miller level like horrible. <laughs> All right, I'm le- I'm leading up to this to something with this, um, but like the Dustin Hoffman producer scenes are pretty great where he's pitching out like the movies he used to do, like uh, Moby Dick from the perspective of the whale. <laughs> That's so good. Well, and he's basically meant to be um, kid stays in the picture, Robert Evans, uh, in, in this which like like the characters so close to robert evans like you know like it, it's 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 his own portrayal of it but it's it's basically robert evans robert evans said uh after watching this he said i was great in this this is the best <laughs> thing i've ever done <laughs> there's a great story about robert evans and west craven too but uh it's about time you got some credit you know robert evans there in this <laughs> yeah movie. exactly exactly so so this is uh dustin hoffman talking about how he actually was a producer on this movie as was robert de niro um they were both like uh, you know, because Tribeca or whatever uh, produced this movie as like a production company, like this was originally a Robert uh, a Robert De Niro idea, 
uh, and then they got Barry Levinson, and then Barry Levinson got David Mamadin. It's kind of like a Ponzi or whatever a pyramid scheme, I guess. <laughs> <that way. laughs> Ponzi scheme would be a different movie. Yeah. Ask, yes. Who are you playing in the film? I swear to God, I keep hearing you know theories of who I'm doing. It's not true. I won't say the names or name. I I am not consciously playing anybody. I am really doing what I always do. I have a memory of a lot of, of, well, not a lot, a few producers. I have a memory of a few directors. And I'm also, I have a very good memory of my father. And I think that it was a, a great actor. It, it may have been Olivier that said, let's face it, we're always doing our family in one variation or another. And there's a lot of my father. My father wore glasses like that. Bob Evans, a producer, wore glasses like that. Lou Wasserman was head of whatever in Hollywood for a while, wore glasses like that. Arnold Copelson, who I worked with twice, producer, wears glasses like that. I think Larry King wears those glasses. So I really was just coming off myself, really trying to do what Barry wanted me to do, basically, and that is to have this nutty kind of optimism, which producers have, because, I mean, they're always lying. But they're not. They're, they've convinced themselves. They can have a picture that just opened that's a flop. And if you say, how's the picture? It's terrific. I mean, there is no pessimism ever apparent. And I played that, really. Very successfully. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> but you don't believe me? You think I'm... <laughs> well, I love like little things about how like there's no Oscars for producers, right? Again, that becomes like a, a big. But there has to be somebody producing the Oscar, which is kind of it is heartbreaking. Like I, I've never really thought about that, but like there has to be and a producer to win yeah. Emmys. <laughs> well, and that's one of the reasons that makes you understand his character's motivation too, about like why it's so important for him to get credit, and ultimately like is his downfall is because like he's thinking about like he's he's got a million stories and he tells all of them all the time, always. Anyone's listening or not? Uh, but like it's just like, it's like Andy. His show. He's like oh. a he's like a very <laughs> yeah. he's like a very successful Andy. Yeah. No, hey, I I, I looked at the Brooks shows for a while. I've met a lot of Hollywood producers. Um, and, and and I gotta say, and like, he's like, like I, and he's like, this is nothing. The audio like, feed cutting out. This yeah. is nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> uh, but like, but but his whole thing about like you know like like he is a small little moment about like how they're not being like any Oscars for producers. Like, Oh yeah, I guess there isn't. And like, that is kind of messed up because when you think about them as like the problem solvers of like these, and like the fact that like everyone gets like credit, but the producer, right? Well, they get the money though. It's the thing. They get the money. Well, I, I mean, also like, like, uh, some of them like Harvey Weinstein, I wish got a little bit less credit, but yeah, yeah I was, was going to say, I, I would <laughs> definitely take less credit for more money easily, but if yeah, I, I think matters, there's I'll two different types of producers too. Like, like there are those who are, um, like just given the title to get extra money. Yeah, like exactly. And, and, and there's nothing, right? there's nothing yeah. wrong with that too, because like yeah. th sometimes you, you know, like uh, Richard Dean Anderson on Stargate. Uh, and I hate to bring up Stargate, but I'm just going to do that because I know the story. Um, but but I, but you know, his 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 job was basically just to show up at meetings and, and uh, on occasion and just be like, yeah, I'm doing the show, and, and like you know, lend his star power to to uh, getting yeah. uh, you know getting extra money while the other producers actually did the work. Um, not not to say that that's a bad thing, but you know, it's which uh, is the that role that uh, Robert De Niro played with Tribeca on this. I think. I mean, acting as well, but I think that it was lending his film studio like title or whatever. Yeah, I think I say yeah. it was the role that Christina plays on this show. <laughs> Christina's on. <laughs>
She's just lending her star power to us. Uh, exactly. But but yeah. but but getting getting back to the Dustin Hoffman character, I think it's it's so well played because like it's like laid a few times that he's talking about it and like he keeps bringing up these stories because it's like he wants to tell these stories, but he's almost kind of like, oh, check out all the stuff I've done. Yeah, this is nothing. This is nothing. This is check out this other stuff I've done because people he's not like a household name in the way that like Kubrick would be or something along those lines. And it's weird that it's like is Robert. He's basically Robert Evans because Robert Evans is maybe one of the only examples of like a star producer that like people can really think of. And it's mostly because kid stays in the picture, which brought him to prominence, which is great. And, and, and then the, the subsequent audio book of the kid stays in the picture where he just goes off on these crazy tangents is an incredible listen, by the way, like it's a, like, he'll just stop reading the book and just tell a story. That's not in the book. We're like, what is he, what is he doing? Like, what's happening? Uh, and it's great. And there's a great Patton Oswalt bit about it as well, where he does a great Robert Evans impression, but the fact that you can do, a Robert Evans impression that's so atypical for producers. And again, yeah. what's one of the most famous producers of recent years? Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> and because of, and the thing with Harvey Weinstein is that man is responsible for so many Oscar wins from people who did not deserve him. Like what a Paltrow for like Shakespeare and love. Like, come on. <laughs> and apparently he has a uh, fish shaped <laughs> penis. Yeah, I wish I according, put that high in the list. According of things I wish to Gavin Newsom's wife. Yeah, that and yeah. what Trump's penis is like are two things I never needed to know. It's like, no, I really do. <laughs> yeah, I just no, don't no, know what everybody's penis is like. Like, you know, keep it in your pants. <laughs> There's other well, things. Weinstein know. couldn't. That was his problem. Well, that's what, it's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. But, but yeah, getting show, back. He wanted to show the whole world his Guillermo del Toro movie. All right, all right. So, but but I think that it's the key to understanding Dustin Hoffman's character, right? That like, that's why ultimately is you know because he know he knows early on like you can't tell anyone that you did this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you know someday, no, 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 no days. And that, like at no point can you ever do this. Like it's and then like later on he was like, well, I want the credit. And what and what what is the moment that he like has that crux when he sees that same commercial because he's been running these same commercials. We don't change horses midstream, Sally. Mm -hmm. You know, like where it's just the it's the dumbest, most generic political slogan ever and i love it whenever i see a dumb political slogan i always go well you don't change horses midstream <laughs> because it's it's so perfectly mediocre for like 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 what is it what well, i mean which is that feeling that like nothing was really going on right like nothing's really on the ballot like there's no real yeah. difference between the candidates right. so why why change horses midstream and for them to that was that was like the 96 up. election like versus bob dole it was so boring that, that was like the, the first election i could vote in and like i like i didn't that, that was also <laughs> abraham lincoln's campaign slogan during the civil war right exactly but but put in a modern context it's 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 um it's perfectly it was new back then adorable. it was new back yeah. then like like <laughs> In 1864. This would have played so well in the 1860s. Let me tell you. <laughs> but when you have Stanley Motz's character, like, you know, seeing that and basically like, like something trips in his brain where he's like, no, these idiots that came up with this horrible slogan are going to get the credit for his reelection. Screw that. I want the credit without even like in his conscious brain remembering oh yeah my life will literally be in jeopardy if, if i push this because i fuck think he my knows life. fuck my life i want the credit because the exact quote because <laughs> i think it's on some level he does know but he just has lived an entire life of accomplishment and like doing like these insane things and has not been given the credit for them and like you know it's sort of like oh yeah there he goes stanley's playing tell another story about you know like jaws or ally mcgraw or whatever okay but it, it's 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 heartbreaking if you think about it 
because this is this is someone who has strived for a life of accomplishment, accomplished things, and then is not given recognition for it. So the fact that like his greatest accomplishment, which he knows from the jump, he cannot in any way, shape, or form tell anyone about. He's willing to like literally like put his life on the line to do it because he wants that credit, which is I mean, which it, is it, incredible. It's, even, it's, a, it's an incredible it's, character study. That's it's funny because saying. a lot of these guys that really do these things, like, you know, they tell about it on their deathbed or like in their yeah. memoir or something like d- decades later, like you really can wait and eventually one day tell that story. But like the, the fact that he's so gung ho about doing it right now because he wants the credit in the moment and, and the credit is all like the validation and the credit is all that will make him psychologically feel good is, yep. uh, is his undoing. If credit was what matters, I'll take credit. Quote Rick Froberg. <laughs> and it's 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 incredible. And it actually hits diff- way different now than when I first saw it, like, whatever, 20 years ago or something. Like, it, it's sort of like, oh, wow. I get it. Because remember, this is before, you know, the internet. Like, if, the, if, if this had happened in the internet age, you know, like, you would have been doing new media and stuff. Like, think of, like, those link letter, uh, whatever, Ted commercials and stuff like that, right? Like, he would have, because they actually do bring in, like, Hollywood directors to, like, do, like, campaign commercials and stuff like that now. And, like, it, like he would have been probably, like, a major Democratic Party donor, probably, like, a major, like, vote blue no matter who guy, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, but that's a different movie because this is, like, the Who also 90s. doesn't vote. He's a, he's right, who also doesn't doing... vote. Exactly. That's such a, thank you for bringing that up because that's such a key thing where it's like, do you vote? Oh, I'm too busy. Yeah, yeah, the apathy of the 90s. Like, 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 (laughs) there was a political apathy back then. Uh, because I didn't vote in 96 because I, uh, partly I I was uh in college, like, no TV, I didn't know anything that was really going on. Uh, I did spend the uh, that summer, like, during the Democratic National Convention, I was actually going to concerts. Um, yeah, you know, not at all paying attention to what was going on. Uh, you know, I completely missed. I missed the Macarena, is what I'm saying. I did not get to see him. <laughs> yeah, my favorite thing about that moment from the the that Democrat National Convention is that you know they're the they're doing the Macarena. Hillary's getting down. It's weird. And there's that one guy with like the gay pride flag, and then they pass you know Defense of Marriage Act like a month later. So I'm like, yeah. okay. Well, that's that second term Clinton. You know that this was election Clinton. This was second election Clinton. He loves the gays. He's got the gay pride flag right there. But then he gets into the second term. No more gays. Gay, nobody nobody can be proud of America anymore. Let me tell you. I mean, we all remember the Bill Clinton quote. Love the gays, folks. <laughs> By the way, you can really tell that this is a mammoth written film uh, because William H. Macy's character is a heroic CIA agent. <laughs> like that. Like even even if that dude's like best most critical thinking like inscrutable like political days like he always had a hard on for like intelligence agencies and then. But like I mean that. the CIA loses. You but know the CIA I mean? like, does lose exactly, yeah. <laughs> and and the CIA is not well. I mean I guess are they in the right? Wow, in this case they may be in the right, <laughs> but for the wrong reasons because the the well, reason basically they didn't clue us in. I mean they're they're the force trying to pull uh, this unstoppable duo away from the brink right like yeah the yeah. actual you know formation of a war which might actually end in some kind of war with albania or like you know like uh like at the end they're still going in there for fucking like another terror they start attack. talking about albanian yeah. terrorism and the fact that they <laughs> basically wag the dog into like what it was what was fiction is now reality which has so happened, less has less heroic happened. i think than the force pulling uh robert de niro and dustin hoffman away from the brink and then lose. Yeah, it. definitely. <laughs> uh, so, do we don't have the breaking news thing, do we? Uh, we do, but uh, 
it, it, it flagged last time for copyright. Oh, come on. Okay, so here we go again. Trump has officially filed his, FE, uh, his FEC paperwork to run for president in 2024. Most predictable outcome ever. I mean, like, who, who amongst like, us thought Tulsi that Gabbard, wasn't Tulsi Gabbard joined, Twi uh, joined Fox News? Yeah, yeah, she's hosting Tucker Carlson now. Yeah, of course she is. Um, ah. but, but yeah, I have yeah. uh so this is this is another clip from that documentary where they're talking about um making it, and uh, this is about the news and how they feel like the news media um, mm -hmm. and the television generation, I guess, uh, affected their writing. Which is like that that uh, that one speech from Network, right? That uh, well, whatever we can talk about that for this. So go ahead. Well, also, there's a quote in this where they're like, um, how do you feel about television? They're like, oh, it ruined the, the electorate for an entire generation, which is kind of an interesting, like a, a very self-absorbed self way of looking at it, too, though, because she's like, we want to be able to lie to them without the constant coverage and like, you know, having to run around to all sides. Of it. Yeah, again, right. But for the wrong reasons. <laughs> I think television's impact on our society has been uh leveling it to a to a very to mediocrity and um i mean through television we have a generation that's coming into into its own now that's almost illiterate and that's why i think you know cartoonism is really upon us i mean i, I think i don't mean that you have to just see a cartoon a lot of movies really are cartoons you know, they, they present situations, but they're really cartoon versions of it. And a lot of a lot of films um, that deal with certain kind of issues are sort of really like just basic cartoon, you know, sitcom related in some way and not. And sort of like, you know, twice removed from reality as if reality itself is a little too frightening. So you want it to be a little removed, a little kind of fake in a way. So it's a, it'll be a little bit more palatable and a little more acceptable. I uh, said to uh, uh, Elia that because of the impact of television, I really thought that that I, uh, Eisenhower might be the last uh, bald uh, president that we would ever have. I didn't think that that we could have a president who didn't have hair who who wasn't a television personality i think that there is a lot of comment about the uh, line between news and entertainment dissolving but the fact of it, the matter is it was always a blurred line you go back to the early days of newspaper in this century in this country hearst was one of the great showmen of our time he sold newspapers with a composition of the front page problem is that people always want to use just the good gray lady of the New York Times as their standard, when in fact journalism is a much broader spectrum than that. Then you move along. Radio in the earliest days had H.V. and Kaltenborn, who had a very dramatic, uh, kind of almost Shakespearean reading style. Lowell Thomas was one of the most popular broadcasters of all time. He was a great showman. So the line was blurred then. The most successful early television evening news program was Huntley and Brinkley. People didn't watch just for the content. They loved the casting. These two people played off each other with a kind of showbiz chemistry. And David made his mark with his wry observations and his twinkly style. Uh, so it's always been the case. Edward R. Murrow, one of the founding fathers of television news, 
Pure okay, Tom Brokaw, we get it. You know about television. The cigarette dramatically lit and off to the side, enveloped in a cloud of smoke. Using language I couldn't use on the air now because I would be accused of being self-important. Okay. Oh no, being accused of being self-important. Tom Brokaw, no. We wouldn't want that. That guy? No. I, I do. I have to say, though, I, I appreciate the way that they were trying to use um, cartooning earlier in, in that uh, clip. Because uh, I was actually talking to Harvey J.K. a bit about that uh, this a little bit. Because um, uh, he, he he used cartoonist, you know, to describe me, and was wondering if that was an insult. I'm like, no, I take it the way Will Eisner means it. Um, but like when when he's doing that, he's talking about like the gesture of the figure that he's drawing is, is over exaggerated, um, which uh, Norman Rockwell is another great example of cartooning. And what, what he's trying to describe is a, is a similar concept, but in like uh, the gesture of society in, in that. And I thought that was really clever. I just don't think he quite, quite, quite uh, articulated that um, as clearly as he could have, but that was, that was a great clip. There you go. So, and he's got notes for you. Yes. Oh, he's, oh is he still knows. alive? Yeah, I yeah, I think he's still alive, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Get our top fact checkers on that. But um, yeah, I I think it's kind of like th that line definitely always has been blurred. Like I mean, you know, the best example comes up in this. Like, remember the main? Uh, that was you know Hearst right. literally uh, starting a war that wasn't actually happening by pushing that the main, which they never actually investigated you know thoroughly into why the main actually exploded and they think it was an accident but it you know it launched us into getting involved in the spanish-american war and that that slogan has stuck for for all those you know for for a fucking two century or a century and a half or something you know what i mean like but people um, only remember the slogan they don't even remember what it's yeah. about at this point which which is a great observation because it's so true yeah I, I was gonna say i thought it was i mean with regards to blurring the line between showbiz and politics i thought it was kind of I, I kind of chuckled to myself a bit when um, uh, Dustin Hoffman said in that clip we played earlier that he was inspired a little bit. He was naming producers and he men mentioned Lou Wasserman. Uh, Wasserman's really interesting because he helped kickstart the career of um, Ronald Reagan in a lot of ways because th oh, that's sure. the guy that got Reagan into uh, yeah. to be president of the Screen Actors Guild. Um, Dan Valdea wrote a whole book about it, mm -hmm. um, Dark Victory, uh, which is about Reagan – um, Music Corporation of America, which Wasserman found it, and the mob. Uh, so, like, there's always been showbiz connections to uh, politics in a weird way. So, I mean, Kennedy, um, Frank Sinatra, and yeah, those mob yeah. connections, like, that's a, you know, Kennedy's whole thing about, like, the Camelot thing was that there was celebrities for the first time, really, like, surrounding him in the White House. I mean, you know, not, not that celebrities were never at the White House, but, like, not in the way that you're like, oh, well, maybe the president's kicking it with Frank Sinatra and fucking... Not Sammy Davis Jr. because he's black, I guess, and they didn't let him speak. When the, it was uh, cool to hang out with celebs, then when when the Obamas came into power, Fox News was like, "Oh hell no, we are not making them camel out part. Uh -uh, we're gonna go with the racism, the Islamophobia, the sexism, the you transphobia, Michelle for no uh, reason." Kennedy didn't let um, Sammy Davis Jr. speak at the inauguration, not because he was black, but because he had a white wife. Yeah. Ouch. Well, e e even without the mob stuff, it's kind of interesting. Like Reagan's career as a politician, in a weird way, I do think it begins with the Screen Actors Guild. So there, there's all these weird connections between showbiz and politics, even back then. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, 
I think people like examining that relationship and people kind of like maybe mythologize it for like there being Definitely. Like more of a divide back back in the day. But like, no, it's just it's it's just more apparent now. It's more straightforward. Like, and it's like it's it's fascinating to see this as like a, um, you know, they, they thought it was the the end of <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> those were great commercials those link letter commercials the, i mean yeah no, I remember them. Like, it's so good uh i can't remember the actor's name the guy he was in bernie but um anyway whatever but like uh, that's like it was considered like the end of history at the time right because like it was, it was like well they didn't understand what the new media was and at the time and there was a, a time period where it was like really overtly democratic to the point that like everyone like you know had a, had a voice but not in the way that everyone has a voice and is elevated to place of importance, whether it's true or not. Now, like now it's like everyone should not have a voice anymore. <laughs> like there should be a bunch of people without voices. Like every, every, and everybody should be Elon like, Musk. Put it, put it. Yeah. As long as I get to pick who doesn't have them, but I be, people should be put into like a voiceless timeout uh, more, more often than not, because people react to things rather than thinking about things. Now, Megan McCain. Yeah. Is someone that I don't want to have a voice. <laughs> yeah, I could give you a list if you want, but like, <laughs> but it, remember at the time, this is like late nineties, like, and we've talked about this at, uh, for on Vice, I think is what we were talking about, of just how infuriating it was that there was not any anti-war voices at all allowed in any major media. And when you think about like you know what we think of as um, uh, alternate media now. Or, you know, or like things like Twitter and stuff. None of that existed either. So there was just no way. Like you had to like start a blog, start a blog, and maybe some people will go. Democracy to now website. is kind of like one of the few sources that we're allowed to even. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, Twitter. Democracy now has... was was and is niche, and I say that as a fan of democracy now. Amy Goodman, come on, moving extravaganza. But like, <laughs> but like the fact that they just. It just wasn't allowed. Like, and then Janine Garofalo ended up being like the voice of like the anti-war movement because she was allowed on because she was a celebrity and she would talk about it. And it's and, it, and it's a fascinating time period because this is like right before all that happened. And one of the reasons why is because there's all this consent being manufactured for the Iraq War and the and the run-up for the, the, <laughs> the for the Iraq War that like is the tactics are like in this movie flat out. And it's just like it's just it's just like oh it's less entertaining. <laughs> it's less funny and it was less it. talent uh on it because like i'm sorry uh yeah. that song that uh what's his name saying uh oh, let yeah. the eagle uh, soar you know <laughs> sucks like like you know the, the the songs in here were much better and, and i'm not just talking about the willie nelson improvs yeah well there's a lot of like keith urban kind of people that <laughs> that started uh singing about the iraq war and that's definitely not my kind of music definitely yeah, what well, it was it though i proudly stand up <laughs> Next to you, it's like legal. Um, forced to sing that song in fourth class. <laughs> I, I think another another connection between Rock media and Rock. politics is, uh, you know, when presidents started to have to look good, politicians in general had to start to look good on camera rather than kind of, you know, like because for a long time you you maybe you saw the president when he was in pictures, you saw him. Yeah. Um, when he was like, you know, he would maybe do like a, a train whistle stop tour through your town, but you didn't really. I mean, it, the voice had to be good more than the actual politician. FDR, so, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was all about the voice there. Yeah. The fireside um, chats. So uh so but like so TV stylists had to start, you know, working with presidents and the team, like the makeup team, and it, it kind of became politicians in general, it became like a lot more of a um a collaborative uh, uh stylistic effort. And I think a lot of the movies we watched this month have kind of commented on that. I agree. Yeah. 
Anyone else in this panel want to talk or just me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like that that half over here is just really quiet. I, I, I'm yeah. trying not to talk too much because I still got a oh oh yeah. I still yeah, have a bit of a cough. It, it's almost like uh, this movie kind of feels hyper real now because the yeah now it's like you know I I always like get annoyed whenever yes. I'm watching Judge like Report. Judge Report the Free Republic convention yeah, okay. or like even like watching Republican events, like I really don't care about like Eva Longoria is hosting this uh, DNC or like, um, you know, uh, Scott Bayo makes an appearance at the RNC. It's like, why do we really care about these yeah. celebrities? Like what K Katie what, Perry, what, like who cares about the political yeah. opinion of Kevin Sorbo? I know conservatives <laughs> care about Kevin Sorbo's why he's Kevin yeah. Sorbo. He hasn't been popular since well, Hercules. Well, because I mean, TV's Hercules. What's he, what's he got to say about it? In terms of, in terms of conservatives, they've been, you know, uh, Greece with such grievances about woke Hollywood and like liberal Hollywood that when they find any celebrity willing to take up their cause, there's a lot of them, which is, which makes it kind of funny because more and more celebrities are like, Oh no, I'm conservative. And then they make it seem like it's, uh, you know, the opinion that ever like kid rock or Kevin Sorbo, like you see, well, that's, now they just preemptively announced that they've been canceled when they're, when they're agreeing to Tim Allen. But, but Tim, Tim Allen, Allen infuriates me with his whole, uh, I remember when that show came out, what was it like? Last the, man the, standing. Last man standing. When yeah. that came out, yeah. he was saying, "Oh, it's it's like Nazi Germany. You can't be a yeah. conservative in Hollywood." That show lasted like eleven seasons. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, like, like, still works with like, Disney. And, and then there's also like other uh, conservatives uh, in Hollywood who are like Sarah Michelle Gellar, if I remember correctly, is a conservative, but she's not like really politically active. She just votes Republican. It's terrible, yeah. but you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, and, and and arguably <laughs> completely lacking any efficacy whatsoever from California, which I believe is where she lives. So yeah, there's so, you know there's mostly a whole harmless, group. Uh, but, there's a yeah. whole group for um, Hollywood Republicans. It's called uh, the Friends of Abe Society. I think Gary Sinise started it actually. Yeah, which I yeah. mean, <laughs> and, like Gary. Have you, guys, have you guys seen Tim Allen's? Uh, yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. For, the Pride uh, of Kalamazoo. <laughs> he got uh, he got arrested for uh, walking through an airport with with like a. A large amount of fucking cocaine on him, like an ounce of cocaine on him or something. Yeah. Santa Claus, with, with with that mustache, you know he's holding. Yeah, oh yeah, that's probably how they got him. They were like, nope, that's the guy. That's the mustache. Yeah. He's that dude parties. You can tell. <laughs> the judge, right. the judge that uh, the judge that gave him like two years or something because he snitched on everybody. He Tim Allen is an informant and he snitched on all the people that were involved in the drug operation and they gave him two years and the judge was like, you're a stand up comic. I hope you're successful. I'm like you motherfucker. <laughs> can can I just I since this is this isn't the I don't think we're gonna do an after party tonight, right? But like I, I just want to bring it back to the movie that I think it's this is one of the few movies. Oh, uh, <laughs> Jesus, uh, that that um this is one of the few movies that we're covering. One of the last movies that kind of goes out of the way to not mention the parties. That what party is the candidate that the president is and like the senator that's like challenge him it goes out of the way to like not mention that right which and uh which makes it funny to be doing this back to back with bullworth uh yes and and have done bob roberts you know bob roberts very very much a, a party movie right like they're like oh well the democrats have failed and the republicans are fucking heinous and then yeah. this movie kind of goes to you know because it's the 90s they're kind of eroding that and then you have yeah. bullworth which like is a scorching takedown of fucking the Democratic Party. <laughs> Absolutely, and and the uh, which is one of the reasons why that's an important movie. Uh, although, uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just 
I don't care if it's true or not. I'll just say that Sorkin wrote all the rapping in, in that movie. <laughs> it seemed, it seemed I like where he's like, let me hear that dirty word, socialism. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a, that yeah, that's 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 a good one. and I can't wait to talk about that on Friday, but I think that it's it's a bold aesthetic choice. And I understand that's a very nineties choice to like be like, no, we're not gonna mention which parties like you know the the one with the the, the what is it campfire girl is that is that what like the yeah fire i thought it was like the riot Firefighter. girls for for a second <laughs> great record. i was very confused kill rock stars the ep is really the best one but this is the first record's good too yes. uh but the the but like the um it's one of the old like it, it, it makes a special point not to do that and the idea is because in the 90s the idea like no this is above politics this is about uh power and like machinations like behind the scenes you know uh critical thinking you know which is also which is also funny because uh american hero explicitly written about george hw bush and yeah it's it's hw and and again as you mentioned in the the opening a dying lee atwater (laughs) right but like you can't say the n-word anymore it's you know the southern strategy isn't gonna work let's start a war (laughs) yeah exactly lee atwater most canceled man in america well maybe that's all right uh his tactics certainly have been normalized, but the the thing that that gets me about it is it, it's the rare time when it actually does work. It actually does kind of I kind of think have like a little more timelessness to it, and the fact that yeah, again, remember this is before the Clinton scandal, like the, the one that everyone remembers, but like right before it. So it was it was sort of like the idea was like yeah, you know the 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 big thing was keep it in your pants, sure, but you didn't lie us into a war, and that that carried through into the next war with yep. the next Bush as well. And that's how what move on.org came from censure and move on. That's where move on.org came. From. I remember uh, uh, Eric Stoltz. No, not Eric Stoltz. Eric uh, Schwartz uh, is a, a musician and did this really funny song called Clinton got a Blowjob," And the whole thing was like how, like all these horrible things that uh, Bush is doing. And, yeah. but like, he can't get it. No one's no one died when Clinton lied. Yeah. And that, that was kind of the whole thing. And he's just like, Listen, George, I'm down here on my knees. I will unzip your pants. I, I will give you a blowjob if that gets you impeached. Yes. Uh, and that's a, I realize that's a weird, that's, but I think it's, it's fascinating that this, I think this is one of the last, like this late 90s era, this is one of the last times that you could actually do that without just feeling like a total cop out. Yeah, I, I right. think because uh, remember uh, in 2000 you had that uh, SNL sketch where um, uh, they, nobody could tell the difference between uh, Bush and Gore, so they built a machine where they combined their DNA together and created a new candidate, which go. was like half yep. Bush, half Gore, and it was a stupid all movie. danger. The sketch is terrible. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like you know, don't watch the sketch. I, and I just always told you the twirling, twirling, but, but, twirling towards freedom. The, the point is, is like, like that was very much part of the zeitgeist of that, yeah. that, uh, of that era, that, that, that whole thrust of like, there really is no difference between the two parties because at the time there really wasn't. Um, well, what is the Kodos and, uh, Kodos yeah, and the what Simpson, the other one was? When, the, what the year was that? that comes in. Yeah. It's, a, it's about the same time, right? Yeah. Probably around the same time. Yeah. I love what they're like, what are you before... going to do? Vote third party and throw your vote away? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I was going to say too, I mean. Just that whole 90s period, it was also harder to get um, – I, I think it was harder to make political movies. I remember when yeah. I interviewed um, Eric Hamburg, who uh, – he helped produce Oliver Stone's Nixon, as well as the the football movie that um, Oliver Stone did after that one. And what he was telling me is that the studios didn't want to touch Nixon, uh, not because they didn't think, like, the Nixon story couldn't sell, but they were like, uh, people don't want to hear about these, like – 
old white dude politicians. <laughs> like people don't want to hear stories right. about politicians in the background and whatnot and the political machinations. So it was there. There was sort of um, the the political movies back then were much fewer and farther between. It seems like. And when they were, they were stylized to a point of like, um, like you know, like whatever, like the, like Andy's favorite movie, The American President, stuff like that, where it was like so, like you know, kind of like wish fulfillment, kind of, kind of things like along those lines. And it's it's amazing because well, who was the big change to that? Barack Hussein Obama, who was the first like modern like president who was cool and he was kind of a celebrity but not like a former celebrity but like an actual celebrity and then that of course led to you know who he just he's running of course he's running you know like and and that's what that's what we're doing now so the idea of like going back to like how it was in the late 90s where there was like oh nobody wants to hear about that like no like that's these these people have to live in our minds 24 7 365 west wing west wing started in the late 90s though like you know what i mean like there was political uh you know yeah but west west wing was was liberal wish fulfillment i think west out of power like after the after changer. their gingrich revolution after the gingrich revolution in 94 uh people very felt very helpless and they wanted is they wanted a president that would like fight back but also like be like a noble man and this and that etc cetera, etc cetera. and it yeah. started with like decent it, it was also like we, we want like uh we want uh, we want somebody who's not like clinton because really yeah, there, we- there was a- Right. There, yeah. There, exactly. there was a lot of backlash against Clinton at the time too. Yeah. Um, By his own which, vice president, which, which even. Hurt, Martin yeah, Sheen, president, would never fucking fuck one of his aides. He he's better than that. <laughs> I, I just want to say that's the only. I, I I actually I have to admit I hate the West Wing. I hate that oh, yeah. show. I know, Martin Sheen is it. the only good part of it for me, and that's just so, because yeah. Martin Sheen is actually badass. a lot of good actors. Martin on the Sheen show. used to uh, uh, do like anti-war protests. He he went to jail yeah. a few times. For, yes. During those anti-war protests that we do during uh, Vietnam and even the Iraq War, I mean Martin Sheen's badass, but I've always hated West Wing. Yeah, well, I, mean, yeah, I think I think Apocalypse Now works as well as it does because he projects so much of his own like hatred for war and for Vietnam into uh, into his character. Yeah. Like I, I like to pretend that uh, 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 oh that uh, Christopher Walken would be Dead Zone is actually a prequel to West Wing, and West Wing's just the fantasy of that he's projecting forward. Uh, but he's really just that crazy guy that makes West that Wing so try to kill. Better. Yes, yeah. I just fixed West Wing for you. <laughs> You're welcome. So uh, letterbox one liners, absolutely for us. Yes. So of course, uh, letterbox is a place for film. It's for film lovers to talk at, with, and to each other about the films they love, the films that they didn't love, the films they're uh, motivated electorally for or against. Uh, Bottom-up democracy, everyone gets to have their say, not just the Siskels and Eberts. I'm never voting again after watching this. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, this is best expressed working on your tie five in front of the uh, brick wall of the comedy store uh, in succinct one-liner format. These are the letterbox one-liners for Wag the Dog. Babe, wake up. New war soundtrack just dropped. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, we needed one after, you know, uh, the same something is happening in here. Like over yeah. and over. Oh, we got crossed. Whoa. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know James Belushi was Albanian. <laughs> <laughs> At the time I first watched this movie, I didn't I didn't know that either, but it actually is true. Yeah. I, I also I like it that they confuse him and uh, him and um, John Belushi. They're like John Belushi, Jim Belushi when they're in this. That that has to have been improv. I feel like, uh, yeah. 
Probably. Like they're like they're like no he's he's dead but Jim Belushi Jim Belushi is uh is is Albanian they're like oh well we could get him to say something yeah <laughs> then he gives a whole speech pretty good I want to become the guitar guy just do what you love vibe get involved in corruption write songs and sing with your choir Amen. Yes. <laughs> Willie Nelson deserves a better title than just the guitar guy though uh, yeah did, did you know like this this is character. Even, even ever addressed by name? I can't remember if, if he is or not. Yeah, he I is. I know he's credited by a name, but I don't remember him being addressed by it. No, because yeah. when they're no, when they're oh, playing Oh, yeah, the phone again. call. The phone call. They had the also, phone call. Like, he's he's in a pickup truck with a dog and a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, you remember what, also what when he tells him to stop, he tells the choir to stop singing because the war's over. And he's like, uh, the war's over. And he's, he's telling <laughs> right? him. He's, he's yelling his name. I just don't remember what that name is. Yeah, I heard, it's... I heard it was Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey Willie Nelson, cut the choir off. The war's over. <laughs> okay, absolutely. You know, you know, like a modern version of this. All the celebrities that are in it, like you know, in, on his team, would play themselves. Like they wouldn't. Oh sure, hundred uh, percent. Dennis Leary is the only one that doesn't feel like he has a name that I remember. Uh, he, is it's like Fad Guy or something? Along Fad those King Fad is King. his name, <laughs> and Willie Nelson is Johnny Dean. Johnny Dean. Okay, so that's a very, there you go. Very, very forgettable name. I don't feel bad about that. I made Moby Dick from the point of view of the whale. <laughs> watch that. I would totally watch that. That sounds awesome. It's <laughs> a great. That's a great quote, man. That's that's and and I love that all the you, you get all these little like slices of like his creative life over the years. The Stanley Mott's character, like by him, like telling these like like little anecdotes. It's, it's I like the uh, I like the one he's like. This is nothing. You've never gone to a pitch meeting, coked out to the gills, and had to come up with something for a script you haven't read. And I was like, Jesus Christ. That's so great. 1984 meets Veep. Cool. <laughs> Tag. But also, this felt scarily real at times. Lol. <laughs> there's, there's definitely, um, uh, like, the, the aid you know, character when she's with them, there's definitely a big like veep field of that. I feel like, like she's super self-serious, but like also gets right. dragged into the comedy of it rather than, you know, kind of as the straight man, because having Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman, like riffing back and forth, is pretty hilarious. One we didn't talk about is the scene where they, um, they talk about like giving him the medal of honor or whatever, like, uh, Oh yeah. Or, or no, the Nobel peace prize. And then they're like, well, Kissinger got it. And they're like, yeah. yeah, but our guy, our guy really stopped the war. And he's like, there wasn't a war. It wasn't a like, war. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a great line. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like V pulled some inspiration from this film, for sure. Uh, Dustin Hoffman's producer character saying, this is nothing. Every time <laughs> shit got worse and giving ridiculous, ridiculous examples from his productions might be the single greatest running gag of any movie ever. Testify. Testify. And it gets, it gets more ridiculous. <laughs> like, it still works, but it gets more ridiculous every time he does it. See, this is oh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> funny, but the scary kind of funny. Yep. That's just, that's just a statement of fact. That's exactly right. Kirsten Dunst, Albanian queen. Yes, <laughs> queen. <laughs> she was. Yeah, although she Absolutely. did have an Albanian act. She's supposed to be like an immigrant that didn't have an albanian accent but also was like i don't know there was something all she really does is like yell and run though and that and that well no she asked a bunch of times about like oh, oh can i put this on my resume yeah but 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 i mean like on camera like as yeah. like yeah you would never know she's playing a role right yeah. 
As she, you know. The kid stays in the propaganda by not Robert Evans. <laughs> 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 Great username nice. too. Myth addict is that uh, is that user? So myth addict is good. That's good. Let's add Willie Nelson to everything. Yes, I mean, oh, yeah. I agree with that. that you you both cognizantly realize it's Willie Nelson while also kind of getting lost in like the the ridiculousness of the movie. So that you're like, yeah, well, Willie Nelson could be there, like presumably, yeah. like why not? Why not? Well, I smoke enough weed. Willie Nelson's always time. here. <laughs> well, he's with you always, just like those Jesus yes. pictures. Uh, those are the Letterbox One Liners for Wag the Dog. Please follow the show, which is uh, your host, Forrest Clinton List Miller over there. Um, follow the show on Letterboxd. Uh, I, of course, am Conan Neutron. I'm all over that business. You can uh, follow me as well. Uh, oh, it's a different order. Regular size Christina uh, to the to the next door to me in the, in this, these boxes that we are stuck in uh, is on Letterboxd and, and awaiting her next run of, uh, of, of films to log, but she's on there as well. Uh, I need to be don't want her darling. Good. Good. You should do it. Uh, oh, did, did you do it already? I know I can I look. Know, I haven't done the Letterboxd yet. Okay. I've seen it like three I, times though. <laughs> Jay, Jay, Three times. Wow. Impressive. Jay Andrew Olshu World down there is also watching all the weird stuff so that you don't have to, or maybe so that you can. Uh, JG Michaels, I always forget. Are you are you a Letterbox user? Again? I need to get on Letterbox now that it seems that Twitter's uh going to die. It's 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 worth it's it. Better sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than Mastodon. Better better than that's a low barrier of entry, my dude. Uh and on that note, Jay Andrew Olshu World, please take us away with the plugs. All right. Um if you uh can follow me on Mastodon. <laughs> um, if you know what that is and if you can find it and if it works. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think I'm on the party channel. Um, anyways, uh, you're watching us on YouTube. Do all the YouTube things like comment, subscribe, hit that bell so you can be notified when we're putting out new videos and uh, watch the video to the end to help other movie fans find our content. Please, oh, please do all the things he just said. Yes. Uh, on Twitter, I know it's a dying uh, thing, but it's still worth it going there. To see <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't dead yet. Follow us, damn it! Going <laughs> down with you, Elon. Um, it, it's like it's like the Monty Python bit with the uh, Black Knight. <laughs> yeah, that's what Twitter is right now. Um, but yeah, you can follow us over there. We do have a Twitter community, um, which uh, you know, uh, which I forgot to do the poll again this week. Oh, I gotta be better. Hey, Sorry, it. I've been I've been busy. I've been just like swamped. Uh, I got hey, I got look, look for that on uh, on Truth Social or wherever the hell we are now. Mastodon. You can retruth us. Yes. Donald oh, Trump we... is the best president of all time. True social. <laughs> we, we do have a Patreon. Um, uh, so uh, please support us over there. That that helps us. Uh, we're going to be creating some more content for you. Uh, yeah, we're going to uh, be doing an after party with, uh, with Jason on Friday, I think. Um, and you can get access to all of our back episode uh, after parties. So, uh, you know, which is which is fantastic. <laughs> I love Doja Cat, even though she's problematic. <laughs> this is this is my favorite. Like, he says, I don't want to be Christmas forever. Elon Musk, please help. I've made a mistake. And he goes, you should be able to change your name now. Elon Musk, thank you. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Slash explain that to a founding father. <laughs> uh, Conan, you had a, a yes. Protonic Reversal coming up this week, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I had a so this uh, so I actually had John Schmerzel from Brainiac on earlier uh, on Sunday. He broke some news that you could listen to the episode on Patreon to find out, and then it goes to general public uh, tomorrow uh, about a new Brainiac. Um, the last demos he did before to me. Yeah, and died. we're calling it now. If if you music publications break that news and don't mention <laughs> what podcast it got yeah. broken on, I will come to your house. And I will fucking kill you. <laughs> a, a podcast ain't gonna cut it this time friends oh right? no we're <laughs> streaming on twitch for the first time in a while <laughs> <laughs> oh are we okay uh and then uh, and then this week i got paul rossler from the screamers one of the the classic mm. la bands one of the first uh i guess you call it synth punk bands uh that um also uh brother of kira rossler from black i was just gonna say that yep. Yep. <laughs> Former guest of this show as well as my show. Uh, so action-packed week before I go on uh, tour next week. Um, so fit them in. Fit them in. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you're you going uh, out to California, right, for, for a couple yep. of shows? It's the Makeup McCluskey show uh, for for Oakland. And then we have a show at Redwood Bar in Los Angeles, uh, which is a week from Friday. And that's with um, – Noi and uh, Mario Lolly and the Rubber Snake Charmers, which is uh, Mario Lolly is like the, the godfather of like the desert rock scene, Queens of Stone Age, Desert Sessions, all that stuff. Really uh, interesting, interesting dude. Yawning Man was his old band. Um, and uh, we're playing a, I think it's, I think it's in uh, Palm Springs as well. And then we're doing the Oakland show. And so just that those three are going to be the last three of the year. The Oakland show is the rescheduled McCluskey show from uh, September, right? September. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the first not, time I played Oakland since two, uh, 2019, so it's going to be a homecoming show. Yeah. And if you're not in California and you want to get some coded music, please go to uh, go to, uh, to uh, for for for. Uh... Oh no, <laughs> I forgot the website. It's Bandcamp. Just look up coded on Bandcamp. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. There's a band. First of all, there's a band called Conan, but it's Conan, which is a different band. Uh, so don't look up Conan on Bandcamp. Look, it's neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Yes. I was about to say that, and I completely forgot. The and name of the band is Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. It's on all the rest of the stuff. Bandcamp, we actually see some of the money for. So if you feel so inclined. I, I finally put up the tour t-shirts. Uh, if you order them, I guess we'll get them after I get back. I don't know. Oh, there you go. Look at that. But yeah, ch check out his uh, uh, his Bandcamp. And, and uh, you know, Mark's gonna uh, be throwing you a bone and doing visual aids this whole time. That's amazing. I didn't even. I never, the thought never occurred to me. Yeah, <laughs> I could actually read it then. Look, you got them. You got some merch. You know, yeah, I, I got that shirt. I got the now. That's what I call dudes yelling shirt. Yeah. Looks sick in person. I saw that in person. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and we have a uh, CDs, records, all that biz. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're playing that show. Some dates right here yeah. that you can get tickets to. I keep that Palm that uh, Palm Springs show isn't on there, but um, we're playing Reggie's at the end of the year, which is in Chicago. So I guess that's it's not technically the last shows of the year because we're playing one right before New Year's Eve. So it's New Year's Eve Eve. Oh, uh, New Year's Eve Eve, <laughs> the holiday everybody loves. Yes, the three the three faces of Eve, the three days of. Very good, very Christmas good. Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve Eve, and New Year's Eve, and, and Halloween Eve, and, and Eve Black, <laughs> Eve Black. Yeah, all Halloween. That's good. Actually, I'll, I'll, like uh, Thanksgiving Eve also exists. It's a day where uh, college kids come home to their hometown and go to the to bar. Do laundry. And... Oh, <laughs> no, no. Well, it's, yeah, it's, laundry too. Yeah. Here's yeah. meal prep. <laughs> They're doing the laundry while they go to the bar. The uh, <laughs> like New Paltz gets totally packed the night before Thanksgiving because it's just like assholes coming home to 
from police academy no, from from college to fucking like no half of our half like half of my graduating class got hired by our local police force they had like a big uh, influx so, so it's always like the worst guys you went to high school with that are like we're driving around in a cop car over here and it's like <laughs> you, should, you should be in jail we're driving around in a cop car over here indeed um uh, and, and there's there's, there, there's a patreon for a controversial <clears throat> as well that's the yes Yes, I, I, I knew I was forgetting something. So I wanted to get to Christina and her Twitch channel and her Patreon. Yes, I'm back on Twitch. Yay! Did you have any guests or any themes coming up? Uh, well, Trump's he's he's talking right now, so I guess we're going to get that. Content. Okay, great. For all that Trump content, please tune in to Cosmopolitics over on Twitch. Yay. Oh, now there's an add-on. <laughs> it was yeah. it was twenty five days ago. Oh my god! God, all I've been doing is dog sitting, and it's nice money, but it's not making my Twitch growth happen. Same, but for free. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, and yeah, like I also, said, also we're gonna be talking about shirtless Andrew Garfield, and that's very important. Yes, he's in a desert for some reason with all their pants. Yeah. <laughs> well, up too. Mm. Christina, you're on for Friday too, right? You're going to talk about Bullworth and uh, yes. Warren Beatty saying the N word. <laughs> oh boy! Amazing, Tr truly amazing delivery. Incredible moment. Honestly, in cinema. Yeah. can't wait to cover it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a bold statement. I I was wa I was watching the whole movie like this, like, <laughs> <laughs> watching the fucking dance with thing. I was like, oh, okay, damn, Warren Beatty's got moves. <laughs> oh shoot, what else? I was going to say, JG, you have a great show called uh, uh, Parallax Views. Yep, Parallax Views, parallaxviews.podbean.com, and also uh, my Patreon, patreon.com slash parallaxviews. I'm on Twitter, at Views Parallax. And um, I, just to plug a few of the shows that are coming up, uh, in honor of the World Cup in Qatar, we're having on... Um, I'm having on James Dorsey, a uh, professor and author of The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, which mm. examines the uh, sort of cross-section between politics and soccer in the Middle East. And also, uh, Miles Coleman, uh, the filmmaker behind the hit new Netflix documentary series uh, FIFA Uncovered, which is about corruption uh, in the FIFA soccer leagues. <laughs> so I have that coming up. I have Natasha Lance Rogoff who has a very interesting story about producing the Russian version of Sesame Street in post-Cold War Russia. She has a new book out called Muppets in Moscow. And uh, I also have David H. Price, who has a really interesting new book I would recommend to people listening to this show uh, called The American Surveillance State, How the U.S. Spies on Dissent. And he has all kinds of wild documents about how the FBI was surveilling everyone from Edward Said to progressive um, American factory owners to, uh, you know, Native American communists. So I have a bunch of crazy shows coming up with people that I think are really knowledgeable about different subjects. Muppets in Moscow sounds like the, uh, you know, that's the that's the final Muppets movie they don't come back from. Yeah, it's like Close <laughs> Academy 6. <laughs> uh, last thing I want to interject um because it's time sensitive and it might be over by Friday, but there's a petition that I've called for uh, using resist bot for folks that have democratic Congress people to ask for a clean slate 
for Democratic leadership, meaning that the three 80-year-olds in the top three positions in the Democratic Party are being asked to stand aside and allow people from maybe another generation. I don't know. Just going out there. <laughs> Including no more, Kleiber, no number more, three. Uh, Nancy Spinosi, you know? <laughs> uh, and there's a, you can use resist bot. You can just text uh, resist and you, you can send a letter, a letter, physical letter to your uh House representative, not for the Senate, for the House, for the House leadership, because whether like, it's yo, a- Clyburn, get the Conan, fuck out saying, of here. Conan, are you saying it's time to force the vote? Yeah, <laughs> the vote, the vote's going, coming no matter what. But the, the, the thing is that, like, people don't realize is this happens, like, right after the election, like, a.k.a. when there will be no grassroots pressure whatsoever, which is all the more reason why uh, you should do it. So that what, what, I, what I threw in the chat is the petition which is what my letter is now turned into you can sign on to that but you can also send your own letter to your democratic representative and say you don't need to say who it needs to be you just say like new leadership and and one of the things i said is is now's a good time to do it while these people are still in office because that's the way that you can transition power to the new ones i think i think that's a nice way of putting it uh you know uh even though like uh i think you know those three are terrible but that's (laughs) <laughs> you don't I, uh, you don't need to put in your letter exactly I sent, like, I yeah sent, you don't need to I say that my, <laughs> i sent my resist bot things to pat ryan veteran for congress because he is now that officially his, a, his a, whole thing right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't change horses midstream <laughs> <laughs> you don't change wars mid <laughs> mid election <laughs> it was a, he's a veteran of the albanian war actually it's crazy <laughs> wow well, I mean, he's not that far from Albany, so that's not a surprise. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, the, the whole thing is the you know the that Albanian kills in the New York State House, by the way. The Albanian they were trying to capture the egg, and then it would have all been over. You know, if they had surrounded the egg and actually gotten a hold of it, uh, you know, we could have we could have taken Al, Albi, Albania. <laughs> have you ever actually been to the egg? I have been to the egg, yeah. Um, because there's like a couple different places there, and I saw Eddie from Ohio in one of the smaller rooms, and the acoustics were amazing. Uh, they they actually giant egg, so it would seem like the acoustics would be pretty great. Yeah, no, I I just wanted, and then like I, I, uh, acoustics. Yes, (laughs) I was like, I was like, that's too dumb. I'm not gonna. (laughs) Um, but but uh, I I was to be fair, it was dumb. Yeah, you're right. I I was telling some friends about it, and so uh, we went to go see the Olympic Giants there, but it was at the big theater room. And the acoustics are fine, like like it's nothing special. Uh, so so it's just like I was a little disappointed. I'm like, yeah, me too. I was hoping it was going to be in the smaller room. If you're chilling high at the egg, you're over easy. You know what I mean? That was way dumber. Where are my edibles? Oh, right there. Um. All right. So that is uh. You know that is our our plugs. Um. It's time for the finalists of final thoughts. Uh. JG final thoughts. Wag the dog. Dog the wag. You know, whatever we're doing. The dog wag. Like I said, it's a it's a great dark comedy political satire, and um, watch it on double feature within the loop. That's my view of it. All right, nice, short, compact, Very sweet. Succinct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christina, I know you want to get out of here to talk about, uh, you know, uh, Trump Donald. So, final yeah. thoughts. Uh, I saw this movie at first when I was in high school recommended by my teacher and i thought like it was a little too on the nose but i absolutely loved it and rewatching it again 10 years later i'm like still way too on the nose and a lot has happened uh the dynamic between uh dustin hoffman and rob de niro is fabulous especially between like you know their egos don't really overshadow like the movie itself 
Like it's just enough ego to make this a very successful political dark comedy satire. And uh, the cameos are phenomenal. The writing is just hilarious. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend this uh, when it comes to like watching like political films. Okay. Um, drinking nine inch ales over there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Somebody finally noticed. Um, I, I noticed. I just chose not to say anything. Okay. Well done. Okay. That, that was something that happened in the chat while JG was attempting to make a very serious point. <laughs> yeah, which is why I didn't say anything. So, yeah. uh, but but anyways, um, uh, no, th- this is ales. this is a wonderful uh, film. I I did purposely avoid it because that, when it came out, I was not interested uh, in seeing it. Um, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't see it until recently, you know, until today, because I would have been insufferable about this movie. Um, and I think we could all appreciate me not being insufferable about something, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think it would have made Bush much worse for me. Uh, so, so I'm kind of glad I, I could feign disignorance until now, but, but, uh, it is, it, uh, it is a movie that's worth watching, um, because, because of the fact that the cast is just so tight in this. And even like like Dennis Leary can't even you know hold on. Uh, I know the last movie I watched, it also seemed like he was uh, uh, the only person dotted on the joke, which is weird because he's the comedian. Um, <laughs> but but uh, is it weird though? Because I feel like he's very often the person that's dotted on the joke. Yeah. <laughs> although although his uh, he had his uh, that weird show about uh, music that that was just like him being um uh yeah sex yeah. drugs and rock and roll he didn't really seem that much on the, you know, the joke with that one either <laughs> it was just him, like, this is classic I, after party material yeah. we're not doing an after party but don't get but, me started is all i'll say about that but but anyways yeah no um uh you know just just phenomenal like everything it's it's everything that people say that the west wing is but actually like in a, a uh in, in, a, in something that's not by sorkin at all <laughs> all right um not to you know change horses midstream conan let's hear those final thoughts uh prophetic literally uh darkly hilarious uh well scripted well acted well directed as jg pointed out everyone from the 90s is apparently in this movie uh this is probably one of the more effective movies we picked for election night extravaganza uh for what it is which is say one, one of the best satires and a very different kind of satire than the last movie we did which is bob roberts which is uh hard to pull off this is smart movie for smart people i always appreciate that and i think it is really cool that you can get new things out of it like dustin hoffman's character's arc and why he maybe like would want the credit things along those lines um really you know strangely like there there hasn't been a resurgence for this movie like i feel like there's certain movies like election i feel like has kind of found its audience now uh maybe it's because barry levinson and people kind of like that very much have him of a time Uh, i think that this movie is wild underrated actually and probably uh something that i wish more people would check out um because as mentioned earlier a lot of it still holds true it's a little too on the nose and that's kind of what makes it deeply funny there people still do it all the time but it's also an artifact of the clinton era too which is is interesting because it is a complete time capsule but it's also still works 
All right. Well, we will be back on Friday with Jason Miles. Excited for that. Uh, I don't think he's come on since like episode three, although we've hung out with him on stream and stuff. And I've hung out with him in person. Yeah, we did like 12 episodes on his show, but yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what I would say is my final thoughts is fuck my life. Fuck my life. I want the credit.